You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Podcast Detroit. This is Liz Reed, your resident guru, here with Liz Life Guru. Uh, we are here in Royal Oak taping our podcast today, which is going to be incredibly interesting because it's about me. <laughs> I love it. Hear that voice over there? That's my beloved Julie. She is back with me today. Beloved. Oh, oh, you know how much I love you. Oh, God. I'm so glad you're here. I When I taped last time, I was looking across there, and you weren't there, and it was, like, really sad. There were no big googly eyes looking over at you. No, it's awesome, but it, you know how much I miss you. It's tough. You know, when you're here by yourself, and it's kind of like, oh, I'm a little lonely over there. I, I can imagine. So uh, it, it's glad to have you back. We're very glad to have thank you back. You, thank you. Absolutely. And um, so we have an interesting show today. Today is about, well, I figured after, this is our 11th show, wow. so we're kind of happy about that, Yeah, that after 11 shows, maybe we should get to know who the guru is just a little bit more, right? Sounds good. So I'm uh, Liz Reed, and I'm a psychotherapist, and I decided a long time ago that it was a really good idea after coming on a show here and talking with family and an ongoing love of wanting to be on the radio, that I would create a little podcast that helped people with mental health and help them to figure out what's going on with them. But this has also been a really long journey for me from the beginnings of my life to where I am now. And so I thought it was a great idea if we got to know who I am and have you, Julie, kind of sort of interview Ooh, me. Let's delve into your story. But remember the disclaimer. Though. The disclaimer is here. <laughs> the information in the podcast is for educational purposes only and is not meant to replace treatment or diagnosis by a qualified mental health professional. Okay. Nice. And so here we are. <clears throat> so before we get into... um the riveting story <laughs> of my life. <laughs> I want to mention that um, I wanted to do, um, I wanted to just uh, give a definition about alcoholism. Okay. I don't, what do you think the definition of alcoholism is? Someone, uh, well, a, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of weird, right? Kind of vague. You uh, abuse it and use alcohol. Sure. <laughs> and so you kind of think of somebody who is on, you know, we think of alcoholic and this is where stigmas come in, correct? Mm -hmm. uh, of somebody who is, you know, on skid row, can't oh, hold wow. it together, can't, you know, function on any way, lay, you mm -hmm. know, level, shape or form. But the definition according to the, you know, mm -hmm. uh, what is it? Britannica? Um, what is alcoholism? Addiction to the consumption of alcohol or the mental illness and compulsive behavior resulting from alcohol dependency. Hmm. So I'm glad that it takes into consideration that it is a mental illness. Okay. Um, they don't have disease in there, which, mm -hmm. you know, is our predisposition to wanting to use alcohol and drugs to help. Definitely. Um, in my case, I have both. I have the genetic component, and I also had the situational component, 
um, both of those going along together mm-hmm. that led to my demise, which was approximately about two and a half to three years that it went on. Okay. But anyways, wow. delving into that, um, where shall we start? Well, let's start with your childhood. Fun. Okay. Uh, whatever you want to tell me about that. And then also I had some questions about, you know, what role alcohol played, you know, at your home, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. So I was raised in Gross Point, which is a beautiful mm-hmm. area of yes. Michigan. I was born and raised in Gross Point. My father um, was able to get that house um, at, at some point in his – I think he actually borrowed money from his boss to buy that house, oh. and which he paid You know, after my okay. father died. The life insurance help paid that off. But we were happy. My mom wanted stability for her children. She had five kids. I'm the last of five. I will be 58 in October, October 13th. And yes, I was a, our home was a very loving, loving, loving home. My mother was very loving. My father, although had many demons, Mm. many demons, he was, um, used, he was shipped out. His, his, he was illegitimate, which was unheard of in the twenties to be an illegitimate child. And he was shipped off to go work, uh, in Tennessee with a family and his, the people that took care of him, the man who was taking care of him, his family was very abusive to him. Oh, a lot of beatings, a lot of horrible things. Yeah, it was terrible. I mean, I get wow. all this. This is all information I get from my mom and my sisters oh, okay. secondhand. So, long story short, my father um, only had a seventh grade education, but became a uh, fighter pilot in the Air Force. Mm. He was a very, very uh, smart, very intelligent man. Um, and so he and my mother married after knowing each other seven days. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah it was really interesting. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I swear. They were both seven, on dates like, with other you, people. Okay. They married after seven days. How do you yes. even plan that? Well, wow. they were both out on dates with other people, <laughs> okay. with my crazy Aunt Shirley, who wasn't really an Everyone aunt, is a crazy, crazy aunt. <laughs> yeah, but well, she wasn't okay. related. She was a Sorry, friend of Beth. my mom's. Yeah. You're, you're not crazy. Yeah. And so um, they were out on dates with other people, and uh, my dad, I guess, turned to my mom. He was home on leave okay <laughs> and he, from the air force and he was an officer he said wow. uh, listen I'm, i've got to go pick my mom up do you want to come with me and then she said yeah and they left their dates <laughs> and took off together and oddly well oddly or unbelievably i don't think my mom my mom was always straightforward wouldn't lie about this uh they they just after seven days they didn't have sex or anything like that went across the border i think in ohio <laughs> and got married and then he had to fly back oh to Maryland. My sister's going to correct me on all this because she's the eldest. But I think to Maryland, I believe he had to go back to. And she didn't see him for several months till he sent for her. <laughs> Isn't that wild? And wow. so then it was several years before they had my sister Fran. My mom had Fran when she was 19. Fran's the oldest of, okay. of the kids. And then there's three boys in between. And then there's me. So um, so then, okay, so mom and dad married. They were very happy. And then, um, but daddy was a volatile man. Mm. Very passionate, um, had a lot of demons. Um, he was he was a drinker, a hard drinker, but not an alcoholic. Like he could go, you hmm. know, he didn't drink all the time. He's just a real passionate guy. And he could be explosive. And But he and my mom were very much in love. So <laughs> when I was six years old, um, my father was killed in a plane crash. Mm. He was, uh, like I said, a pilot. He was flying out of city airport here in Detroit, as everybody knows. Wow. And um, so daddy went out, 
rented a plane. He was going to Chicago and on his way back, he complained of chest pains and crashed at mm. City Airport. Family, don't get me, get mad at me if I have any of this sort of kind of wrong. Cause this right, is all second, right. third, fifth and 10th information. You were young. Very young. I was yeah. six years oh old, six, six years, years old. old. Okay. And so as an addendum of that story, wow. if we fast forward many years, I was 19 years old and visiting my mother's half sister in Arizona when I was told that my father committed suicide. In that plane crash that he did it deliberately. How did you process that? Well, first of all, I was like, that's before cell phones or anything. And I was pretty hysterical. Okay. I was like, what the hell? Where did that come from? I had no idea about any of that. So that was really, really hard for me to deal with. It was really upsetting. So that was hidden from you intentionally? You know, my mom said the jury was always out on it. Oh. Mm -hmm. So she thought, why even... Why even, why even say something that to your children, okay. you know, when we didn't know? But my dad was like a rock star. I mean, in reality, not like Donald Trump, in reality. <laughs> I know he claims reality. he's a rock star. No, <laughs> my dad was a super handsome, super Aww. cool, super charismatic, funny man, had a lot of friends, okay. was very well liked. Okay. But some bad things had happened through his work and, <clears> and <throat> he went, fell into a deep, deep depression. Oh. And so we think that that was what exacerbated the suicide. And there was a life insurance policy, and that would take care of all of us okay. if he died. So, and so we really think that was where where dad, you know, where it all happened. So you do think it was yeah suicide now? Okay, yeah we okay. do. Yeah okay. we do now. Now that we've talked about it, and the years have gone on, and <sighs> okay. so forth. So consequently, I grew up with my my mom. Um, she remarried, um, many years later, but, you know, I was very tight with my mom, very close with her because she was single. She didn't have much money and I was always with her and she was working. And, um, and then she married a man who was an alcoholic. Uh, uh that wasn't good. Oh boy. Okay. What? So how old were you? Uh, 11. I was okay. 11 by the time she married him. Okay. So five years yeah. later. Mm-hmm. Okay. And yeah. uh, that was bad. Oh, see, that I, was a lot yeah. of trauma then. That was really, really hard because he wasn't just like an alcoholic. He was a falling down, drunken alcoholic, passed out. Now, mind you, he was an ex-Navy fighter, fighter pilot. Um, oh. But he okay. had lost his wife and everything to alcoholism. My mom met him actually in AA. My mom oh, would my go goodness. in and out of AA just to like, like <laughs> not drink so much. I think she liked the social aspect of it because my mom was not an alcoholic. She wasn't, she could give or take it depending hmm. on what was going okay. on. All so right. I think she liked the social aspect That's of interesting. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Okay. And so she met him through that and he, he was a nice enough man, but he really had his problems. So the first two years, he was like literally, um, in and out of rehab. Brighton is all we had in those days. Remember? Mm. Um, so he would go to Brighton and come back and be okay. And then finally he went on an abuse and re- maintained his sobriety. Oh. And, um, that okay. lasted until he died. Wait, he went on what? And abuse. Okay. It is the earliest form of um, like a deterrent to alcohol. Huh. Um, if you take an abuse on a daily basis, you oh. get violently ill. Oh, okay. okay. Violently ill okay. if you ingest any alcohol. Gotcha. So you have to watch out for salad dressings. You have to oh. watch out for you okay. know all kinds of stuff. So let's fast forward. Um, a lot of sh- a lot of shit goes on in there. You know, okay. my brother Danny was addicted to drugs, uh, hardcore. Um, it was just, you know, that only went on for like two years. I've mentioned that before, but that was rough after the event of my father's death. Maybe only a year that was. I don't know, but yeah. it was really hard. Well, that was right. tough. Go do, ahead. Do you remember as a six-year-old 
experiencing grief or do you remember? Oh yeah. You, okay. So it's like it was yesterday. Oh, okay. So I you remember, remember all processing it mm-hmm. and going through the whole mm-hmm. thing and mm-hmm. yeah. See, daddy was always away on trips. Okay. He was always flying somewhere. So when he came home, it was like, Daddy's home. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, we were okay. all like, so excited to see Daddy. We'd go to the airport with Daddy. Oh. We'd go to the bar with Daddy. Mm-hmm. Okay. His friend owned the bar across the street, which was a happy landing. And it was a great time whenever Daddy was around. But for the most part, God love my mom. It was all on my mom to do everything. Sure. She did the best she could, you yeah, know, right. with all these kids. And so... So there was a lot of trauma when I was young, and there was a lot of inconsistency. And then, mm-hmm. then my stepfather came into the picture, and then oh. he's an alcoholic. And, you know, we oh. didn't need that bullshit. That right, a, right. The last thing any of us needed, right? Mm-hmm. And so so anyways, went to high school, graduated from high school. I, I skipped a year. I was held back in the first grade because of my father's death. Oh, And I say sure. that I okay. say that because that's very important to my self-esteem. And how I felt about myself oh. because I felt stupid. I thought I was dumb because yeah. I was held back. My mom actually insisted that I be held back because I was really kind of off in la-la land. I was kind of like, yeah, everything's fine. Okay. <laughs> I think I'm getting a monkey, you know. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh my goodness. I wasn't deeply connected yeah. to what was going on. And, you know, constantly all of my teachers were always saying to my mom, she's not applying herself. She's very smart. Mm. She's not applying herself. And mom thought it was probably a good idea to hold me back. But in fact, it was probably a really bad idea. And I know okay. that now okay. with all the patients I've seen that have been held back. <laughs> It just and that was one year where they did first and second graders in the same class mm-hmm. at one point. So I was in the first grade class again with all my second grade oh. friends. <laughs> okay, gotcha. So I just so okay. That, I remember similar situation. I don't remember. Yep. I think it was anyway fifth and sixth grade. But yep. Yeah, yeah. So that just ingrained in my head that mm, I'm stupid. You're behind. I'm dumb. Oh, I'm okay. dumb. So wow. I was on a mission at that point to make up for that. Okay. Like I remember over the summer learning to read really well okay. and being in the top reading classes. Am I remembering correctly that didn't you have a teacher who was really callous about the fact yeah. that your father died? What did you yeah. tell me about that? That was in the, I think I mentioned that on the podcast too. And I was in, after daddy had died and we finally went back to school, I went up to her. She was just a very yeah. coarse, disciplined, mean teacher. And I said, hey, listen, and, you know, uh, did you know my daddy died? Oh. And she said, yeah, I did. Go sit down. Oh, As, you know, are you kidding me? Yeah. And that oh, just Liz. like hit yeah. hard. Were there, did you have like a counselor that reached out to yes. you through school? My mom or? had me with a counselor okay. at school okay. that was helping me. And she was a really nice lady. I don't remember her, but I used to go see her. Okay. So you there know. was some interaction mm-hmm. positive. Oh, yeah. And my mom caring. did everything she could. My brother Danny, who was suffering, she okay. was taking him to a therapist. And, you know, um, in those days, not everybody went to a therapist. Correct. You know, yeah. it's the late 60s. Sure. Early seventies, yeah. it didn't really happen, but, mm-hmm. um, but we made it. I mean, we got by. And one thing I can say about my mom is constant love. I yeah. mean, she was always either walking by or patting us on the Aww. back or petting her head or kissing us or loving us or yeah. telling us how wonderful we were. She was a good mom. Mm-hmm. She really was. And she did the best that she could with what she had. You know, we didn't have much money though. So that was rough mm-hmm. growing up in Gross Point. You right. Know, everybody else it had tons of money. We didn't. It, right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah. was difficult. <laughs> Just like when we had an apartment in Rochester, we had this tiny little apartment yeah. and right next was a sub with huge houses. This is just mm-hmm. when Tori was a newborn. <laughs> 
Yeah. It just really magnified it. I'd like, sure. oh, you can play at their house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, but it was, but it was a good, we had a good home. And then when Ray got sober, everything got much better. And there was fighting with the boys with Ray and that kind of stuff. But after they moved out and moved on. But the thing that was also going on was my mother was very dependent on me. Oh, I remember um, you. Yeah, okay. emotionally sure. to make her laugh, to be there with okay. her. And so that was emotionally draining for me okay. and suffocating, very, very suffocating. And, I, and you know, I have to give a shout out to my sister, Fran. If it weren't for my sister, Fran, um, when we were going through some really, really, really bad times when I was young, I knew I was going to start crying. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> um, I might too. She was there for me. You. She yeah. took care of me. I know. You talk about her a lot. Fran, she loves you. Uh, yeah, and the rest, and the rest of you guys. <laughs> yeah, she would come pick me up oh. and bring me to her house and take care of me. And uh, no. I'll always be indebted to her for that because she was a a really good sister, and I love her very much for that. Yeah. So I'm gonna try to not cry through this. <laughs> That's whole all thing. right. It's okay. It's a lot to get to too, but yeah. Anyways, I don't know what I'd do without her, and I love you more than anything in the world, Fran. You know that. So, anyways, um. So as soon as I possibly could, when I was, I, I skipped a grade in high school. I, I went to summer school to get out early. Oh, and so I you mo- made up kind of for lost time. Oh, well, that's okay. what I wanted to yeah. do. Yeah. And okay. uh, I moved to West Hollywood, California. Wow. My brother change. Hal was already out there. Yeah. Okay. And I moved out there. Thank you. And um, Jessica, my sweet engineer, brought me some cleaners. <laughs> um, and so I moved out to Southern California I was in LA living in right in West Hollywood and hanging wow. out and having a good time. And, you know, that was a wild ride. Let me just point that <laughs> out. That was just incredible, but it was fun. Mm-hmm. And then I moved down to my mom kept moving and back and forth, coming back and forth too. So I would live with her for a little while and she would need to be with me. Oh, and that wow. was part of the suffocation sure, too. Sure. And then she'd go back and that was difficult. And then I ended up moving in with a boyfriend mm. who was eight years older than I was. And I was only at this time by ni- about 19 years okay. old. And okay. he was very dominant, very controlling. Mm-hmm. And so that wasn't easy because I-, I felt he made me feel stupid. You know, everything I oh, said, I was kind of dumb. And that mm-hmm. probably triggered some of the, you know, when you were feeling yeah, uh, behind. Sure. When you were younger. Absolutely. <laughs> but what came from that was daddy issues. You know, I mean, oh. I was looking to an older man, oh, uh, you know, oh, to guide gotcha. me. Okay, and gotcha. I never had a father. I mean, okay, I don't, sure. didn't remember daddy. And most of the time, daddy was gone. Oh, gosh. So it was just okay. like these memories of, you you know, daddy this, daddy that. And I'm like, hmm, I don't remember. I, mm. You know, I was so young. Sure. So he was um, extremely good looking, but, but dominant and made me feel kind of stupid. But like an idiot, I stayed with him for like seven years till I finally okay. broke up with him. And so that was a very volatile time for me. You know, um, but I didn't drink that much. I was in the restaurant business. I had got my degree in culinary arts mm. from in Palm Desert. And so I was cooking and I was also waiting tables and bartending and doing all that. And I wasn't even 21 yet. Okay. So, you know, a oh, lot was going on at okay. a young I was only like 19, you know, then 20. And then as we got, I got older, I started opening restaurants with him and traveling around the country. And then eventually I left him about seven years later, then moved back to Michigan and um met my my husband Bob who was my first husband Bob and I was with Bob for many years and we listen I want to add this because you know all my addicted patients can relate to this a little bit 
Bob uh, had good money. He had, mm-hmm. he had mo- some money, but I really helped create him to be a really successful businessman. And we used to go out and party and drink and have a good time. And that's when we, uh, it was in the 90s. People were doing cocaine. Oh, wow. You know, so I was doing coke and partying <laughs> really? and working. Wow. I also got another uh, degree in na- as a nail tech. So <laughs> I was doing nails at the same time. Oh, my God. So this is what that. you call your functioning you addict alcoholic. <laughs> and look at my nails. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> and so, um, so I had a hell of a good time time. We traveled, we wow. went every we, we you know went to all kinds of different tropical islands. I drove beautiful cars, we had plenty of money. We moved down to Nashville, Tennessee to for his business. Mm-hmm. Um uh it was not a bad time. Right. But that wasn't somebody I'm going to say this and this is going to sound very shallow. So what was I 25, 24, 25 when I met him? He pretty much bought and paid for me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I loved him, right, but he was right. constantly showering me with gifts. And I was by far better looking than he was. I'm just going to point that out. <laughs> but he would show. I know so that's funny. my shallow side. Um, he was showering me with gifts and taking me places yeah. and on trips and doing things. And so it just seemed like the right thing to marry him. You yeah, know, I'm like, okay, okay, I'll marry you. After like four years, we married. Wow. And then we moved down to Nashville. And then, um, then I started realizing there's only so much yeah. traveling you can do, mm-hmm. so many restaurants, restaurants so many lunches, mm-hmm. so many dinners, so many yeah. cars you can buy and new things before you say to yourself, I need a life. Yeah. You right. know, I need right. a life. And, and I, at that point, I was like, I don't want to do any drugs anymore. I don't want to do any coke because I my anxiety, by the way, I, right. I need to add That's this in here. That's what I wanted to backtrack. Yes. I'm um, sorry. Cut me at, off when I start at, getting detoured. Uh, Back- no, this is good. Yeah. Um, but backtrack, you had yeah. mentioned to me that your first anxiety attack was at age 19. Yes. Do you remember what triggered that? Well, I think it was lack of sleep. Okay. Because okay? this happened to my brother Hal and my brother Dan. Okay. So it runs in my family around the same age. It's usually pretty typically oh. around that age. Okay. Um, I hadn't had much sleep. Kurt and I, my first boyfriend, my big time boyfriend who was eight years old, had flown from, we were opening a restaurant in Texas. We had flown black, back to, um, San Diego, mm-hmm. California to go whale watching. And I hadn't had much oh, sleep. Wait, I remember this. Yeah, okay. I hadn't had much sleep. I was exhausted. We had been drinking okay. all day and partying and having a good time. And all of a sudden I was like, ooh, woo. I'm in the you know twilight zone. Right. I'm like, what is wrong with me? Right. And so then I went through hundreds of batteries of tests with doctors and this and that. The whole trip was ruined. And I, yeah. And, and they're like, there's nothing wrong with okay. you. Okay. And the reason I chuckle, I'm sorry. Yes. Not oh, at your yeah, expense. Please, if we can't laugh not at, at your this, expense, but that whale watching is often viewed as a zen, you know, experience. <laughs> and not you for said, me. I remember the first time I asked you. Yeah. You were talking about your anxiety. Yeah. Well, my first uh, anxiety <laughs> attack was when I was whale watching, and I was just having a for hard sure. time picturing that. It's totally true. But, I mean, but you again, know. that's the point of anxiety. It, yes. It's not like. It's dependent on the environment. Yep. The environment could be just as peaceful as can be. It could yeah. be in a yoga class exactly. and you could be having a full-blown anxiety attack. Exactly. That's why it's so difficult. That happened to my niece yeah. the other day. I have a niece who's unfortunately gotten oh, this okay. gene from right. our side of the family <laughs> and she had an anxiety attack in the shower. And so I have used to have – I and then from then on I started having anxiety attacks in the shower. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And the heat, you know, sometimes oh, wow. the water. 
water and okay, so forth. Okay, like a can sensory be, thing almost. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or, so, or maybe that you feel somewhat trapped. Maybe. Even? I don't know what it is, yeah, but to know. this day, okay. I don't really dig being in the shower, oh, even though I take one every day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still in there going, <laughs> right. I don't like this place. I don't want yeah, to be I've here for very to, long. I know. tell you, you should hop in the shower, Liz. <laughs> You might want to head over there and get in. Uh, I do like soap, though. I just bought a bunch of there new soaps. Go. Nine new French soaps. Hopefully I love like soap. a calming fragrance. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Lavender. So uh, so anyway, so I had that panic attack, had been battery and batteries of tests. Everything came back normal. You know, oh, in those okay. days, you didn't talk so, much about anxiety. So I talked to my mom. Uh, mom, I called my mom all the time. We're deeply connected, you know, even though I can't, couldn't live with her because she would smother me oh, so much, you know. Okay. Like, mom, listen, I'm freaking out. She's like, it's anxiety. It's oh, anxiety. Okay. So, so she had never talked to you about that prior. No, but that's <clears throat> what happened to me also. Mm-hmm. I had some anxiety, oddly. That was yeah. my problem earlier, but now it's shifted to depression. Yeah, Woo-hoo. yes. Um, but They're I remember, n- of course, my mom, I think, didn't say anything yeah. because she was like, oh, I don't want to give her the idea that, mm-hmm. you know, that might happen to her. Put like put a seed in, you know, her, her head. Yeah. But, so, yeah, I had the same yeah. Same things. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and that, and they're sisters to each other. They kind of run in tandem. My mother had major yeah. depressive problems. Oh, and but I do right, and my sister right. has depression issues. But okay. my uh, uh my three bro- two of my <laughs> brothers and myself, we have really bad anxiety and my brother Rob I think also. But huh. anyways, my mom said in her loving God love her. Okay. The only oh, thing she knew what to do cuz right. nobody give you any medicine for anything then. Mm-hmm. Couldn't get a Xanax or a Valium or anything like that no? back then. Oh. Now, especially not at that age. I'm what? All of 22, okay, you know, at this point, or no, 19, yeah. 8, 20, you know, they're like, no way. Um, my mom said, have a drink, you'll feel better. And she was right. Oh, she was right. I did feel better. Yeah, it makes no sense. It's a depressant. It's right? a depressant. It's a sedative. Okay. And yeah, it worked. And so I was like, okay, I'm in the restaurant business. I'm a bartender. I'm running around back oh, here. I'm cooking. I'm doing this and that. So accessible. to say, it's oh, crazy. Boy. It's so accessible. So I just, you know, look at the bartender. I just mix myself a little. You know, and it wasn't shot frowned down. on. No, not at all. Right? Throw a shot down. And I'm like, okay. But even then, Julie, it yeah. wasn't a problem yet. It okay, still so wasn't what, a problem. It was flipped? just a, it was just helping. So. Oh, I know what. Yeah. <laughs> so, so as we go forward. Situational. Situational, you know, comes into this. So, so, okay. Now we're fast forwarding again. I'm married to Bob and, um, I'm in Nashville and I am an unhappy, wealthy housewife in a gilded cage. Oh my okay. gosh. Right. <laughs> yes. You have everything to, what oh, is isn't the that the worst? You? That is the worst <laughs> I have ex- experienced where, yeah, tech, I mean, on paper, look yeah. at my life. It's freaking fabulous. Absolutely. But I feel sure. Crappy. Oh, I just got back so from Turks hard. and Caicos. I don't have to work. I have a brand new BMW in the driveway and all the, he okay, just bought well, me, you know, a new two carat diamond. I've got this. I've got that. I've got an emerald. He bought me in while we were in St. Thomas. And I'm like, I'm miserable. And then you feel like, what the hell's wrong with you? Okay. Well, I yeah. didn't have the emeralds and diamonds. I'll say that. <laughs> but like, I, you know, p- people would say, Oh my gosh, you have such a loving husband and great sure. kids, beautiful kids and, and, you know, sure. et cetera, et cetera, health yeah. and, you know, yeah. Well, so, what, part of that, and then also and beauty, you yes, know, without a doubt. <laughs> and then Bob and I had a really bad car accident too. I don't know oh. if I ever told you about that. Did you know that we had a serious oh car accident? God, no. It was we were cold sober, cold sober. Okay. And okay. I'm going to fast forward through all this, otherwise yeah. we're not going to have enough time. <laughs> um, we were we were coming home from the gym. Oh my god! Because we we're fine. Everything. It was a normal life. I right, mean, it wasn't right. wasted day in and day yeah. out. So, okay. Um, 
<clears throat> we I we were coming home from the gym, came over a hill, you know how Nashville's super hilly, and somebody had slammed on the brakes in front of us, and oh, I tried no. to get around him. I had a brand new Mazda Miata at that point, and hit a tree. But tree pulled us in. My my husband broke his neck. <gasps> I broke my wrist in half, both of my knees. I was in a wheelchair. It was really, really, really bad. He was in a halo for three months. Yeah, that was a deep thing. And so anyways, at that point, oh. I remember saying to myself, my God, what if he's paralyzed for life? Oh, wow. And I'm like, I don't think I love him enough. Oh, sorry, Just, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Bob. He'll never listen to us anyways. But I mean, <laughs> I, I just don't think I love him. I'll take care of him. Right. But I don't love him that much. And then also, I was going through all my hist- my sev- serious endometriosis oh, problems no. as well. That's... I have severe endometriosis. And the doctors were saying, you need to have a baby. If you're going to have a baby, you need to have one oh, now. And I'm God. like, I don't love him enough to have a baby with him. Wow. I don't. So, okay. at, so when he was healthy, long healthy, and I was healthy and everything, you know, was in perspective, I yeah. was like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be with him. Yeah. So I left him in Nashville. I moved back to Michigan one more time and uh, went back into the restaurant business. I was catering, doing all kinds of stuff like that. And um, found myself a little boy toy for a couple of years. Was fun. <laughs> he was 10 years younger than I was. That was fun. But you know what? That gets boring after a while because they're stupid. Okay. He was, he was like 24. Okay. Oh, I'm so- like 34 years old at this point. <laughs> It's like, oh, okay, Lord. you know, there's only so much fun you can have. Yeah, and, yeah. um, and then it was like, okay, I need to get back to reality and get going on with my life. But mm-hmm. I was, but I was drinking a little bit more than normal then. Oh, okay. uh, because I was unhappy. Okay. I'm like, now what do I do? Right. Unfulfilled. Just, okay. What do I need to do? And I kept saying every time I got drunk, like I tell everybody on here, I'd go back to what makes me sad. I don't have an education. I need an education. I want an education. Hmm. Oh, wait, so, even though you had the culinary education. Mm-hmm. I wanted a college degree. Okay. All right. That's what I wanted. So so then enter four years later. I'm, you know, I'm catering. I'm opening restaurants still and doing stuff like that. Ding, ding, ding. Kurt, or Kurt, sorry. Scott, my husband, my current husband now. Yes, this is an interesting story. Yes. So yeah. he and I knew each other when we were 12 years old. His sister was married to my brother. Do you get that? His sister was married to my brother. Yep. Yep. We have, we have nieces together. Mm-hmm. We lost touch with each other and the girls when I, we were like 12 or 13. They, everybody moved to Arizona. Okay. So he found me many years later after I divorced Bob and he had divorced his wife, okay. who was a drug addict. Yes. And he had a small child. She was six years mm-hmm. old. He invited me out for a visit. We had always been, had a deep connection, really liked each other a lot. I flew out there and I stayed. Mm. Oh, and wow. And we were married a year later. Okay. Okay. So at that time is when things got ugly. Yes. And this definitely. went on for, yeah, things yeah. started to get ugly because he had an ex-wife who was a drug addict, mm-hmm. who had an overbearing family that wanted his daughter. Mm-hmm. Okay, they didn't want their, her name's Tori. They wanted her to live with them. And Scott was a perfectly able-bodied mm-hmm. man who wanted to raise right. his own child. And her mother was out running the streets and, using drugs. And they glossed over the fact that she was a drug addict. Right? Oh, yeah. They I would mean, just they pretend like it wasn't even going it. on. And no. she was in and out of jail. Mm-hmm. And she ended up yep. dying from Yes, she did. She died last year oh, uh, of an overdose of methamphetamine. Was it just last year? Uh, maybe it was two years ago. Okay. Maybe oh it was two gosh. years ago. 
But um, oh. so she left Tori and Scott when she was three. Tori was three years old. Okay. And Scott was raising her on his own. But yeah. her parents, her her mom and her stepdad were overly involved, mm-hmm. trying to taking Scott back and forth from court, trying to get custody of Tori. <laughs> and then when I wow. moved in there and Tori was like a mom image you know she started calling me mommy Mm -hmm. started (laughs) calling me mommy i was a room mother Mm -hmm. she loved me and her grandparents did not like that they did not like that so they dragged louise out of a drug house as usual the mom the mom and um start taking having paying for her to have an apartment and this and that now she's pregnant again with another guy's baby and and they're they're all they're buying buying her homes and apartments and stuff so that she can be this mom that she's incapable of being, and um, and I love Tori very much. You know, she was my. But are you gonna cry? No, but they kept <laughs> not yet. But they kept dragging me in and out, in oh, and so out sorry. of courtrooms, and trying to get Tori away from us. And then Scott's That's sister like the got irony involved. of that. Yeah. Here their daughter is mm-hmm. addicted to drugs and you're stable and they, they can't see what's best yeah. for her. So I had never been around anything mean, like this. Right. I had never been around. This was like white trash at its finest. I mean, I could, I had never been around people that were this vindictive. Yeah. That were, they were sending the police to the house on many occasions and, you know, to wow. saying, claiming that I was beating Tori or Scott was or oh. this or that. It was a war that was going on that I didn't even know I was going into. So cocktail hours started getting earlier and earlier and earlier, but I was functioning and doing fine, you know, for, for quite a while. But then it got to be just too much. And then it was like, okay, I need a drink. I can't sleep. I need a little glass of wine. I need a little, then, then it started to get ugly. Then oh. it was like, okay, this was only when Tori wasn't with us, by the way. Let yeah. me point that out. I mean, we would drink when she was around, but never like to right, this capacity. Right, right. And then things just started getting really, really bad. And I would drink for a couple of days at a time when she wasn't with us and I wouldn't be able to get out of bed and I wouldn't be able to pull it together. And I was just crying and just calling and crying. Oh, and it was just ugly. Were you working then? Or? Yes, I was a caterer, like to the who's who of Arizona. Like I used to take care of the so- attorney general. <laughs> I was his caterer. Okay. And I was a private chef to a bunch of different doctors. Okay, yeah. so you were able to maintain that then? Yeah. So mm-hmm. but you if, would kind of drink when on days off or we, when you didn't have mm-hmm. Tori, kind when of like have, binge drink? Yes, then, binge it? drink okay. for a few days at a time. And wow. See, with my anxiety, I couldn't, you know, that's all sugar. Mm-hmm. I couldn't handle the detox. Okay. So I'd start com- the physical need that what, you know, I started coming off of. Okay. And I would just be a shaking mess. Really? And oh. my, I'd be having one panic attack after another. So I oh, knew if I had a drink, I'd feel better. If oh. I have a drink, I'll feel better. And that's a vicious cycle. Now so you're just chasing your tail, right? You said that would even just start right in the morning. Like oh, wake yeah. Up and I can't imagine. In the middle wow. of the night. Or in the middle of the night? Oh, I'd wake Lord. up in the middle of the night. Yes. Yeah. And have to have something to drink in order to go back to bed. It was horrible. Horrible, and it wasn't what I wanted for myself. No, no. Not at all. And it wasn't solving anything. It was just masking everything. It was making everything worse, everything worse. And Scott was worried about me and didn't know what to do, and, you know. Mm -hmm. And and so at one point, I went to to detox, got myself detoxed, but I had no intention of quitting. (laughs) <laughs> okay. I was like, okay, I'll just sober oh. up and get it together. And I think for I'll a while, be okay. temporarily, no, it's just detox and release. It's one of those things. So I was only there for like three or four right. days. Yeah. No. And, and so I came home mm-hmm. and, um, I said, well, I'll just 
drink beer, drink wine. I'll be okay. I won't. As opposed to hard vodka. alcohol. Vodka. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, that worked for a little while, very little while. And then I was back on the train again, binging mm. here and there and mm. just saying, you know, what do I want to do with my life? What am I going to do? And God love my sister one more time. I could call her. I could call my mom. They were always there for the, me, you know, just yeah. come home, just get the hell out of there. I'm like, I can't abandon right. Scott. I can't abandon his daughter. I've got to help them. I've got to do it right. again. Oh, boy. And then um, and then, as I was telling you, you know, I have a lot of pets, a lot of animals. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, one day, um, this, you know, when I was really in a particularly bad way, um, I had been on a bender for a couple of days and... Um, I looked over at my dog, Buddy, and who was my ever-faithful companion with me day in and day out. He was a Mastiff Rhodesian Ridgeback, and he was so beautiful. Mm. And he was just so worried about me. Yeah. I could tell just I looking know. at they him. I do feel it, I swear. They just, yeah. I miss my Ellie. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> okay, and, I'm going to cry now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I just was like, I've got to do something. I have to do something. I care more about myself than this. Right. Well, then also, didn't you say one thing that, or maybe you already said this, that um, even before you took a drink, you started to feel relief. And oh. so that you were like, oh. That was weird. Okay, so, so I'll tell you yeah, what, uh, okay. what happened with that. Yeah, I was sitting down um, prior to that, mm-hmm. m- months prior to that, yeah. but it stayed with me right. when I was having a normal day. Okay. I hadn't drank all day. It was just a normal functioning day going to work. But five o'clock was cocktail hour at my home my whole life. I mean, that's ah, what I was used to. You okay. know, you had drinks in the evening. Hmm. And, and, which was fine. Then you went to bed and everybody got up and everybody was normal. Yeah, right. You okay. didn't get hammered, completely right, hammered, you know. Right. But I remember having a really bad day, sitting down, mixing a drink. I was starting to feel better already when right. I mixed the drink. And then when I took a sip out of the drink, I was like, my dose of optimism, I called it. Immediately I was like, I feel better. Everything's going to be okay. And you, I can do this. Okay. You know, and then I was like, okay, Liz. It hasn't even reached your right. blood system right. yet, right? Yeah. It hasn't even affected your brain or body yet. So this is a mental thing. This isn't an alcohol thing. This is the way you think is right. wrong. So mm-hmm. that's good and that's yeah, good. bad. Very in a, good. In a way that, okay, so you had the physical detox, but then what you had to deal with on the recovery end is... You the mental, the, the emotional, mental yep. addiction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's good that you realized it, but then it's, it's it's not just like you could go in and physically detox and oh, I'm good. Yeah. So you had more to deal with. Exactly. Yeah. And that's where a lot of people fail. They think they just need to be right. detoxed oh, off right. the bed. Uh, and, and, you know, it's very dangerous. You know, I, I okay. had the wherewithal to say. I know it's dangerous to detox yeah, off alcohol. You I could have a seizure and seizure and die. Well, yeah, it's I didn't very prominent. How yeah. extreme it was. Yeah, it's yeah. super dangerous. That and benzodiazepines or anything like that. Okay. So, um, so that's when I was like, after looking at Buddy and stuff, I said that, that this has got to end. And uh, so I called Scott at work and I said, "You got to pick me up. I've made all the reservations. I was drunk. <laughs> oh <laughs> and, my goodness! Uh, I need you to take me to detox. Just okay. drop me off there. Okay." And, um, and he came home. I had a bag packed and he did. He dropped me off. Wow. And I was there for like four or five days. And that's a rough gig. Okay. Coming off alcohol. Okay. They yeah. put you on a, on a, um, phenobarbital regimen. So okay. phenobarbital is a sedative as well. So it mimics a lot of like what alcohol will do when okay, alcohol, okay. It, when gotcha. you first ingest alcohol. Mm-hmm. So, but this slowly weans you off so you can't have a seizure. 
Okay. And so, um, and it calms you down and relaxes mm-hmm. you, but still, they don't give you enough. So you're just like, hey, yeah, what's going on? Oh, no, you're like, but I think I can survive. Oh, you know, wow. <laughs> you're shaking. Like, I okay. felt like I was raw from head to toe. Like somebody had cut this, filleted oh me God, with a knife. Really? Yes. Now, and were you with ahead. other people or you were yes, by yourself? Yes, there was a bunch of other people in there. Okay. A bunch of other people in there. I mean, I have a lot of funny stories about being in there with people. I mean, it's just <laughs> crazy. But if you can't laugh, you know, what can right. I say? We just, all I would do was eat ice chips out of the freezer. <laughs> and I needed like this giant ice pick to get ice chips out of there. That's what? all I wanted was ice chips. Yeah. <laughs> they let you have an ice pick? <laughs> I don't know why. Good Lord. And I just remember looking over at this one guy. God love him. He was a mess. He came in way after me oh, a couple man. days later. And I'm like, hey, um, can you help me get some ice chips out of here? I really need some ice in my water. I've got a real thing about ice uh, and water. And he's like, uh, honey, I just like had a seizure. <laughs> Don't give me that ice pick. Oh my I don't think I God. can help you. Like, oh man, I'm sorry. Okay, <laughs> apologize. So he did come over and try to help me. The whack off a chunk. So then I was like calling my mom oh, and my sister from rehab. Oh, you could call from. Yeah, you could call. No, that's yeah, different. it wasn't like locked down oh, or anything. It, it was just a detox in a hospital. Okay, you know? and he had to go to AA meetings all day and stuff like that. And no fun. Uh, my mom and my sister, you know, they'd get me laughing, and we, you know, because we all have the same sense of humor, and we joke okay. about what's going went on there and how ridiculously insane the whole right, thing right. was, which it was. It was I've, just crazy town. But yeah. like I was telling you on a serious note, though, Jules, um, like we were talking yesterday, I would look out the window and see <sighs> people walking to their cars and just say, I would give anything to be that man, that woman, anybody but who I am right now, because I, I don't know that I can do this. This is... I am insane right now. I feel insane. I feel filleted like a fish. I feel like I am shaking internally like a, like a bobblehead. I mean, I was just, just. Okay. Now I'm getting teary eyed. Yeah. It's just horrible. Even though I didn't go through detox, Mm -hmm. you know, I went through a similar experience. Yes. Ended up on the psychiatric floor. Yeah. Of uh, U of M, Mm -hmm. which, you know, I never saw coming. Yes. Never saw no. that one coming. Mm-mm. I mean, I'm, I always have to say, okay, first of all, I'm a stable person. I've lived a stable life. This is not common for me. This is, you disclaimer. know, like disclaimer. <laughs> okay. I was at this, but oh God, Liz, that feeling. I yeah. just so remember that so clearly looking out the yeah. window. Yeah. And just watching everyone live their life and just assuming yeah. that everyone's normal while mm-hmm. I'm just beyond distraught. And yeah. I remember. I was near the nurses' station, and I would listen to them, and they'd joke around. Yeah, you know, just laughing. Just like living their normal mm-hmm. life. And I would just get so mad. I'm like, how sure. can you be laughing when I am in this kind of pain? Yeah, I remember. It was just, mm-hmm. I, I never, how could you feel that way just from mm-hmm. depression? It's just so, like, maddening. It's so exactly. bizarre. Well, and anxiety depression, was the same anxiety, way. anxiety, right. I was like, I'm never going to come out of this. I'm never oh, going to be okay. Right. But but, yeah. the, but I must say, what I did know is I was never going to drink again. I said to myself, if I survive this, okay, I will never take a drink again. I'd rather, honest to God, in all truthfulness, mm-hmm. put a bullet in my head before okay. I will take a drink again because... It has not solved my anxiety. It hasn't helped with relationships. It hasn't done okay. anything but ruin my life. All right. And I know I'm capable of so much more. 
you know, and wow. I'm going to get through this. And, you know, my husband didn't know how to deal with this. He had just come out mm. of working. He, his ex-wife was a drug addict. He had oh, just come out Lord. of all kinds of bullshit yeah, with her. Right. And now he's got me, oh, you my know. Gosh. Um, and he didn't know what the hell to do. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't coming to see me or anything like oh. that. And, and he didn't know what to do. Okay. And I honestly think, and he's going to deny this, but I think he probably thought we'd divorce immediately. Okay. After I got out. But okay. he did not believe that I was going to remain sober. And I did. So wow. that gave me a whole lot of clarity on what the hell was really going on okay. when I didn't have drinks to fall back on. But when I got home from detox, like I told you, he picked me up with a with a tall boy between his legs. Lovely. Right. I'm lovely. Sorry. Lovely. Mr. Sensitive. I love you, honey, but Jesus. We do you love know. you. <laughs> yes. He's changed a lot since then. But oh my he didn't I don't know. I don't know what the hell he was thinking. But anyways, <laughs> uh when I got home, uh, you know, I couldn't sleep, Julie. Oh. I couldn't sleep. I, I mean, I never was a good sleeper, no. but, you know, going to sleep without having a drink first or anything, oh, there was like, okay, hello, I'm wide awake. What time is it? Two? Mm, what do I do? So I just, I read self-help books, one right after another. Yep. That mm-hmm. was me. Yep. I had to identify who I was Gosh. and why I was like I was and what was yeah. going on and what was the problem and mm-hmm. what am I going to do about it and da 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 da. And it was super helpful. Like I, I attribute and I give great kudos. Mm-hmm. And I was actually asked to be on the Dr. Phil show after I wrote them a letter about how life strategies, Dr. Mm-hmm. Phil's original yeah. book helped me. Yeah. When I read it drunk the first time, it didn't work. <laughs> when I read Sorry. it the second time, you know, sober right. and did the exercises, I realized I was a victim. Okay. I was living in a victim mentality. Okay. I was, sure. I was nothing but feeling sorry for myself. And I had every right to feel sorry for myself. It was ABCDFG was yes. messing with me and going wrong. Mm-hmm. But you can't let that determine you just completely falling apart at the seams and using alcohol as a crutch or any drug right. for that matter. Right. Yep. So. Um, I read and I read and I read and Me I went too. to the AA meetings. I mm-hmm. went to every meeting. I, I, I just remember going to the nurses going, what do I do? How do I make this easier? Okay. Than, you know, I, and well, Liz, when you get out of here, 90 meetings in 90 days, wow. da, 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 da. Um, you got to get to go to outpatient therapy. Okay. Sign me up. And then you need a regular therapist too. Got that. I'll do that. Thank God my husband had great insurance through the city of Phoenix. So. Every day I went to an AA meeting in downtown Phoenix. I think I told you everybody there was Hispanic except for me. Yeah. Okay. Except for me. And I'm like, hi, I'm Liz, you know, <laughs> and there's like all men. It was all men, but okay. my ass was there. Okay. My ass was all there. Right. And this is what I try to tell my patients. You have to do the work. I'm with you yes. on that concept. For sure. And, and this is a journey you take alone. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Here was my thinking. Mm-hmm. I I really really believe this going into it. Mm-hmm. I'll just go to U of M. They're the best hospital in the Michigan yeah. in Michigan. Sure, they and, have fairy dust on hand. And literally, I was like, they they will know what to do. They will know how to fix me. Yeah. And when I came out and I was still depressed, I was beyond distraught then. Yeah. It wasn't until well, then I had a second hospitalization, which was fun. Hmm. I'll talk about that some other time. They only time. get better. <laughs> right, right. From the best facility to one of the worst. But yeah. anyway, mm-hmm. um, now I lost my train of thought because well, I was delving point. into my... my yeah, what, what, that was, what was Oh, that? I know. Yeah. Just this realization that it is truly up to me 
Mm-hmm. And then a second realization, well, that I had to do the work and yeah. I researched and, yeah. and I did exactly what you did. But the third one was patience. Yes. I am Which going I had to be patient mm-hmm. with my recovery. Mm-hmm. I am not going to give myself a date. I am not going to have this unrealistic expectation. I'm not going to beat myself up for not feeling better in week, two weeks, three yeah. weeks, six months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Though I swear that those three things, owning it. Yep. Owning know, it is owning huge. It and um doing the work and being patient, I would say for me was like which, which, by the way, and I forgot to do this at the beginning of this session, and I wanted to, I want to dedicate this to my patient, Bill, who's suffering right now Aww. terribly with his alcohol addiction. And okay. uh, we have been on and off the phone. I'm desperately trying to get him into treatment right okay. now. And I think he just might do it. And Bill, this is dedicated to you. I love you, buddy. I'm here for you every inch of the mm-hmm. way. You've got me if you don't have anybody else. And I want you to know that. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing. The family gets pissed off. They get frustrated. They get tired of it. It gets mm-hmm. to be too much for it everybody. Does. And oh, so, absolutely. so you can't look to them Mm-mm. to be there for you every single Mm-mm. minute of every day. Cause this, and I remember them asking me, what are you going to do if you feel like taking a drink? I'm right. like, well, there's not going to be any time to call a, a sponsor or anything. I've got to be able to take care of myself okay. immediately right now. Right. So I knew that. So that was huge. Okay. So I went to, I went to AA every mm-hmm. day. I went to outpatient treatment every day day. And then um, that went on for several months, graduated from that. And then I, I took on a therapist, Sylvia Hernandez. I love you more than life itself. She truly was in, mm. uh, uh, instrumental in helping me because she never judged me. Right. She yep. just was like, what's up? What's going on today? You know, she was so supportive, so loving and so kind to me. She never told me to leave anybody or do anything. Right. Yeah. She just listened. Why is that upsetting you? <laughs> It's not upsetting me. <laughs> I see you looking teary-eyed uh, over there. I am. Because that's how I felt like my experience was with you. <laughs> oh, honey, I love you <laughs> Sorry, so much. You're so sweet. So, we're so emotional over here. But damn it, we're real. Give me the Kleenex. <laughs> there you go, honey. It's, oh, you're so sweet. But that's true. Oh, God, it, you is need... a, it is emotional here, people. <laughs> when your is... life has been turned upside down. For for sure. And that's the thing of it. You just need somebody to listen yes. and tell you you're going to be okay. It's going right, to work. Because, right. you, you know, you don't need a pep talk. You don't need somebody to yell at you. Right. right. You just need somebody to really listen and true. confirm that you're not nuts. For the right. way you feel, right? right? Oh, exactly. So, so I got sober, wow. and and the crazy shit was still going on around that house. And, okay, um, and my husband didn't know what to do with what was going on, and he he's always had, he always had had, and he still does, but nothing like he used to. Anger issues. He's got issues with his mother. And with his child kind of was turning on him at that oh point gosh. and going with the grandparents because they had money oh. and he was getting resentful. And so he was getting angry. And I was like, um, I don't think we're going to make it. I need to detach for a while. And, um, I told him, I said, I need to go home. This was, this was several years later. So let, let me see. I got sober in 2001 and I left him in 2005. Oh. And moved back. Okay. And I had been going to school in between there too. Um, nice. I, I was going to the University of, or not, Univ- uh, Phoenix College for a couple of years. I was going to be a nurse. I thought I was going to oh, be a nurse. Right. So 
I moved back home to help take care of my mom who was aging and not doing well and Fran needed help with her. That was a nightmare. If that wasn't going to make me start drinking again, I don't know what was because um, this beautiful relationship I'd had with my mother for all these years, now that she was aging and getting cranky and didn't want to do what she needed to do (laughs) to feel better. I laugh about that. (laughs) It's true though. Curmudgeon. We turn into old curmudgeon. Oh, absolutely. We started arguing and and fighting and I'm like, I am not going to let this relationship of all these beautiful years end with us Mm. fighting. It's not going to work. And um, so, you know, that was very terrible taxing and trying. And then Scott really worked hard on getting our relationship back together. I mean, he was calling me all the time. He came out for a visit. He's like, listen, I was an asshole. I love you. I'll do anything to be with you, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, in full disclosure, I I will admit, you know, I was talking to another man while um, I was deciding to leave Scott. Mm -hmm. I was talking to him on the phone. He was a guy I knew in high school. And um, it was one of those emotional relationships we talk about, yeah, right? sure. And um, Scott called him up, found out, and called him up oh. and said, hey, listen, I'm a terrible husband. Oh. I've been a lousy husband, and I know it. And wow. I know you don't love her like I love her, and I would do anything for her, and you won't. And I just want you to stay away from her. Mm. And I had to give Scott a lot of credit for that. Yeah. And I knew that this guy wasn't very stable. And I'll tell you why. Because <laughs> after I told him I didn't want to talk to him any longer, he ended up committing suicide. <gasps> he shot himself in the head. Liz. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It was bad. By the way, that's the second boyfriend I had who committed suicide. My yeah. high school love Good did Lord. too. Mm-hmm. Do you think, I can pick them. <laughs> do you think that's part of the reason you ended up as a therapist? Oh, I, honey, I ended up as a therapist because of all of this. Because everything. D, all of the above. Yeah, okay, okay. Been there, done okay. that. Been there, done that. Honestly, been through so much. Right. We're, just, we're just like, like we're almost out of time. <laughs> right, I We haven't even gotten to me getting better yet. Okay, right. okay come on, come on. Well, we have. We, we talked some about of it. steps. Yeah. Okay. Yes, yeah, some of the steps. What I like is that you, you said like that you don't have time to drink anymore like that's you know what i mean you you filled your life up so much with meaningful things sure. now and, and things that matter to you yeah because i know people would you know ask like they ask you or any recovering alcohol mm-hmm. don't you do you miss it is it so hard do you want to just drink? i do is miss it, it always... at times because wine tastings were my favorite thing in the world oh, to do i was sure. very i worked at opus one okay i was very uh, into wine tasting. Right, See, one and only right. thing I miss is, is wine tastings, but it's not right. worth it. It's right. not worth it. Lick, that A liquid is not right. going to exactly. help my life. Right. Not where I am now. But I like when you say, well, you know, in general, that yeah. you don't miss it because no. you, you found all this extra time and energy that oh, yeah. you didn't have before. Right. There's so much to do when you're sober. There's so many things. It, you know, literally, you can go out past dark. <laughs> Okay, without worrying about getting a DUI. Honest to God. Yeah. Little things like that, you know. I never left the house past five because I was too scared I was going to get a DUI, which, by the way, I did like 19 years prior to that on like one of those pullover things in Arizona, you know. That was, uh, that's a whole long story I'll tell you about sometime that's hilarious. Me in jail. That was fun. Oh, Oh, you have to, everybody in Arizona has to go to jail overnight, no matter what. No matter what. No matter who you are. You have to pick a day and go. Even Diana Ross had to go to jail. Yeah. Mm. People get really upset about that, but everybody has to go. So, my God, we're almost out of time. But, well, and we'll talk more about me another time, too. Of course. We'll get into more of that because <laughs> it's just so riveting. Uh, <laughs> but, but anyway, so, so where were we? So I left Scott. I was taking care of my mom. Scott, you know, intervened, told, you know, 
that whole everything ended. Scott moved. He said, go buy a house. We're selling our property up north in Arizona. We're selling our home in Arizona and buy a house. And I bought a house out in the woods. And he came to live with me. My mom had to eventually go into a nursing home. During all this time, it never crossed my mind to have a drink. I was like, I'd rather, like I said, put a bullet in my head than ever drink again. That's amazing. You know, and I enjoyed being empowered and being able to do what I wanted and, Mm -hmm. you know, go out at night and come home and drive my stupid drunk friends and go, God, I'm glad I'm not you. You know, that kind of thing. And then it was like, I want to go back to school and become a therapist. I think that was an underlying thing for you. Yep. Yep. And... And I wanted something that I could do for the rest of my life because my husband has a serious heart condition and he had to be put on uh, medical retirement from the city of Phoenix due to his heart. And so it was up to me to really help us pull it together. So I enrolled at U of M, uh, U of M Flint, and I graduated with a degree um, in social work. And excuse me. And then I had such good grades. I had straight A's. That I was accepted at Michigan State in their accelerated program for social work. So I did all of that in four years. So boom, boom, boom. I graduated with my master's in 2012. And then I had done my graduate work with a rehabilitation center, Sacred Heart, out in Richmond. They had asked me to stay on with them. Um, I had a plethora of jobs. I mean, I could work here, I could work there. Okay. Because and, and then it took me quite a while to get my. You have to have another two years, two thousand hours of steady work before you can even take the test for your master's, which was which almost was, impossible. That, that took two years to pass. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah, that Just was that. that's a whole other podcast. That almost took me down, <laughs> but I managed to get through that. But what I knew always and forever was that this is the only thing that was important to me mm-hmm. is. Staying sober yep. and and continuing my career. So, so after I graduated, and then I then so the goal was to go into private practice after a certain point, which I've done. I've been in private practice for like three years now. Um, I had like four or five jobs after I left Sacred Heart to help develop my career. Mm-hmm. I worked on the psych ward. I worked with community mental health. I worked at Rose Hill, working with su- extremely psychotic people wow. in a residential facility. So I've gotten all these things mm-hmm. in my repertoire so that I can work and help everybody. Mm-hmm. And 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 that has been my goal. Yeah. So I'm actually three years ahead of schedule, and I got all kinds of shit on the. That's going to come down the pipe, you know, st- more stuff I want to work at. I'll never retire. That's I'll never awesome. retire. But That's great. so I celebrated 17 years of yeah. sobriety on the 13th, 17 years wow, of sobriety. Awesome. And um, it has been a wild yep. ride, but it has been the best thing mm-hmm. I ever did for myself. And it's just my goal and love and and passion to help other people to feel as good as I do. And the only thing you have to do is don't ever pick up again. Yeah. That's it. Yep. And people make it into this in-depth, major ordeal, Mm -hmm. and it's not that big of a deal. It's Mm -hmm. just about not doing it no matter how much you want. too. I'm going to go today without drinking, and tomorrow I'm going to go, you know. Day by day, and just, and then eventually it's just a distant memory Mm -hmm. of something. You you were born drinking. Somebody introduced it to your life. Right, and your confidence builds. Yeah. You know, when you're six months or, you know, look how far I've come. I've kind of felt that way, like, oh, look how how far I've come. Look what I've done. You Mm -hmm. know, I'm not going back. I always tell myself, I'm going to keep my head above water when I'm having a bad day. You know Sure. You're just going to keep your head above water. 
Yes. And you <laughs> I, have to give like, in just, to some of those days. When you're having well, a really, true. really, really bad day, you got to go, yeah, okay, I'm having a really bad it. day. I got to yeah. I got to give into it. I've got to yeah. I got to let it roll. I got to feel better. Right. You know? Yeah. So today's podcast was sponsored by Kleenex. I just wanted people to know. <laughs> I didn't cry as much as I did on the phone with you Jeez. yesterday. I think I got it out, yeah, you right? Did. But today, me and me, I'm just like, what? are you looking up? Why do you look upset? I'm not upset. <laughs> I know. I know. I just have tears sprouting out of my <laughs> For eyes. Sure. That's all. I mean, but I wanted, I wanted our um, podcast audience to know a little bit more about me yeah. and why I do what I do. And right. it is a passion of love. That's why my passion, my patients can talk to me. Uh, all time at all times during the week, you know, or or any time of day or night, I am there for them at no cost to them, you know. And I'm sometimes I'm all they have. Yes, and and yep. not just in addiction, but in depression and anxiety and trauma and sexual abuse, whatever it may be. But that is that is what ca- keeps me sober, keeps me happy. And by the way, Scott and I are doing fine. Twenty one years <laughs> oh, later, he's a we are still in love him. and very very oh. happy with all our critters. But yeah, um, we'll talk more about it at some point Jules thank yes. you well thank you yes once again another riveting su- <laughs> yes riveting stuff another successful podcast thank you Julie thank you Jessica yes. my engineer today we're gonna um our outro is once again gonna be by my brother Dan and his band coup de trois and it's called get your ass up off the couch which I think <laughs> is a good one because that's really all you need to do make a move do right. something about your life yep. Yep. Uh, follow us on Instagram and Facebook please and send any questions you might have on my journey to sobriety to uh, either one of those. And uh, from my heart to yours, be good to yourself and namaste. Namaste.